Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Dave Jones, how are you? We have a very, very important announcement for this Blue White Breakdown podcast. As we sit here in the middle of August, we have a special guest, our newest, bestest member of the Penn Live Penn State football team, Johnny McGonigal, formerly of the CDT, but most recently doing some excellent work at the Post-Gazette covering the Pitt Panthers, James Franklin's favorite team and favorite head coach, Pat Narduzzi, uh, is now with us. Couldn't be happier. Dave, take it away. You know, when I did the Pitt Panthers and Paul Hackett was the coach, you probably don't know about that. You know, Paul Hackett, they played in the old Pitt Stadium and they never should have knocked that down. That's what I think. I used to drive out there and I would stay in the, in the, in the, in, in the Howard Johnson's and the, the air conditioner would come on. Boy, I never got more than three. Johnny, how did you cover that program? And what is Pat Narduzzi? As as doozy as he as he looks. As I thought you were going to say something else right there. I'm, I'm glad you pulled back. <laughs> it begins with a D, but I didn't think you were going to say doozy. <laughs> First of all, great to be on with you guys. Uh, great to be at Penn Live. And uh, look, covering Pitt was honestly a good experience. Like I, I, I like the people down there. Uh, EJ Borghetti, the SID, is a great dude. EJ is the greatest, is he not? He really is. And so, yeah, I, I, had, I had a fun three years uh, covering that team. And last year, they were really good. Um, and so that, that always helps covering entertaining football. Um, but I'm, I'm eager and, and excited to get back uh, on the – Well, we don't care about the Pitt Panthers now because you're covering Penn State now, okay? <laughs> First of all <laughs> – I don't know about entertaining offensive football this year for you, I was, I was going to wait for you to snap that one off, Bob, but uh, go ahead. Yeah. I think that remains to be seen. They certainly have some <laughs> talent, but uh, I don't know that they'll be confused with the Kenny Pickett Panthers from last year. I think we're going to see a lot of like 20 to 13 boys, a lot of, uh, a lot of slobber knocker football uh, in, in our, in our forecast upcoming, but <laughs> we're going to see a lot of football where if it was NFL f- films, music, it would be none. Whether they run the ball, always running the ball. Then Larry Brown churned for three yards to give the Redskins a first down. That, that's the kind of football we're going to get. Yeah, a lot of that. Hey, Johnny, for the for the Penn State fans, I, I know a lot of them probably remember you from your time on the Penn State beat. But just not to not to go into too much detail, but can maybe discuss a little bit about your previous stint uh, covering Penn State and what you kind of liked and maybe didn't like about it. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I, uh, well, so I graduated from Penn State back in 2015 and started covering the team for the uh, Daily Collegian, uh, the student paper there, uh, which was a great experience. And then I uh, had a little internship with MLB.com out in Pittsburgh before coming back into town. And uh, oh, what you do with what you do with them? I didn't know that. Yeah, I was uh, I was just covering the Pirates, basically helping out with like away report when away reporters didn't come into town. Uh, they would send the intern to the other clubhouse and, and handle all that. So uh, that was my first taste of Pittsburgh. Was the summer of 2015 when the Pirates were actually good. That's uh, they made the playoffs that year. Hey, that was an exciting year. My my kid went to college out there, and he wasn't quite there yet. He kept thinking he was going to get that experience. Didn't happen. <laughs> Didn't happen for him the last four years. He graduated now. It doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon either for them. No, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I came back to the, you know State College and the Center Daily Times, and I started doing high schools and like desk work for them primarily, helping out with fancy football and and other stuff. But I don't know if you guys remember Jordan Rodriguez, who covers uh the L- the LA Rams now. Uh, so she uh, she ended up leaving to take a job to cover the Carolina Panthers midseason in 2016. It was the bye week before the Ohio State upset, and so she left and they bumped me up to you know Penn State. And uh, my first game back on the beat professionally was uh, the Ohio State upset. So it's uh, one hell of a one to get going with. That was an interesting game to write on deadline, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> you know what? I mean, I w- wouldn't have it any other way, right? To to hop on and have and have that be the game, and, and you know, for that to be the season too. I mean, it was it was awesome. What's the worst deadline experience of your life? And then we'll let you go. <laughs> oh God, there there are too many to count. A lot of pit basketball, like blown games over the last three years, having to help out with those. <laughs> I mean, Dave, you know, basketball is, is tough. I think basketball is tougher on deadline than football is. Because football, at least you can have a sense of what's going to happen. Basketball sometimes. Not for me. Not for me. The, the, worst, the worst experience of my career, Bob, you, what do you think it was? Now, you, Bob probably knows what it was. For me, it was the Orange Bowl that went in at like four in the morning. The 05 Orange Bowl, and no one can make a field goal. And finally, Kevin, Kevin Kelly ended it at about 12.55 Eastern. And, you know, I was just making crap up by that time. I was just making stuff up and, and, and like entertaining myself because what was – I had already trashed. People don't know. You have to have a base of stuff that's supposed to look important on the top of your story. And all of that was washed away. None of it mattered. So all of a sudden you've got like four inches of copy and, I mean, you're screwed. I don't, I don't know how we got through that. But anyway, um, welcome aboard. Glad to have you aboard. We hope this works out better than Bob's first season on the beat in 02, which that was actually pretty good, wasn't it? It was 03 that was the problem. Yeah, 02 was that weird team that Penn State was one, it was one of the most talented teams I covered. They had a lot of guys get drafted, and they had like four losses by like five total points. In that, and they, you know, it was one of those just weird Weird season. O three is a different story, and I hopefully we're not headed down the O three. Then it descended into squalor very quickly, Bob. <laughs> yeah, that's one way of putting it. Yeah, they were a couple. What were they? A combined seven and sixteen in uh, those O three and O four. Bob's next couple of years on Penn State football was a lot like Dick Girardi's on Penn State basketball for like the next ten years, which Johnny would know about because you probably covered that too, right? That was O five O. Oh six in there. Oh yeah, I was uh yeah. So for the collegian, I was covering Penn State hoops. What was it? I guess uh, eleven and it was after the it was the year after they made the tournament. Oh, that's just as bad. Yeah. Oh man, post Sandusky. Yeah, DJ Newbill, uh, t- Timmy Frazier, those guys, Brandon Taylor. 
Yeah, there's just no no hope. Yeah, no hope. Okay. We hope it's better than that. Yeah. Ronnie, what's your favorite bar to drink in in Pittsburgh? It's one of my favorite cities. And I, I don't think I asked you that question, but it's it's very important that I know this for the next time I go out there. So what? how would you rank maybe the top two or three bars in Pittsburgh for me and the Penn State fans? Well, so it's unfortunate. William Penn Tavern was my favorite bar in, uh, in Pittsburgh in Shadyside, and it closed and moved to uh, – moved to Lawrenceville because I guess they didn't get their lease renewed or something like that. Um, so that's unfortunate. That was my favorite bar. I just love closed bars, I guess. Piper's Pub on the south side is a big uh, soccer bar. Uh, very old style English style pub that you know plays games at 9 a.m. They've been closed since COVID. I don't know when they're reopening. Uh, Nadine's is my spot, though, in the south side. A good breakfast joint, little little like six-seater bar. South side. In the south side, yeah. It was on diner drive-ins and dives. It's a, it's a good spot. All right, then. I like it. I like it. I, I'm. I know you. You have want to get some the, some things, but I've been doing a little work on Purdue and Auburn because they're going to mold the season. Whatever happens in those two games, have you heard about this Brian Harson thing? I mean, he 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 doesn't he doesn't have a quarterback. Finley's out, right? Yeah. Well, it, he's still in the picture apparently, but the kid from A and M doesn't look ready and I think we can see what's going to happen there they're just going to run the ball talking about what we were talking about with Johnny they're just going to looks like they're just going to run the ball run the ball run the ball and see what happens and is that under right now not necessarily because if Penn State can't stop the run it could get ugly is Penn State's linebacker layer ready for that onslaught because I think if Harson is going to do he is under duress he has to win that game. I think he has to win that game or his career is <laughs> he's on thin he's on thin ice already down there. He needs to win that game. He can't get swept by Penn State. So what is he going to do? He's going to go to what he his team can do and it looks like they can run the ball. Can Penn State's linebacker layer and their front seven hold up against that what I think is going to be that onslaught? First of all, how old is Bo Nix? He can't come back. Is he like what's he 31? He's done. Yeah. Okay. Right. He was so good last year. I can't get enough of watching him. Think of all the great quarterback play we saw last year. Throw those wiffle balls into the end zone that had no chance. They were like 15 yards out of bounds. We'll get to Graham Mertz later. We will not talk about Graham Mertz ever again. <laughs> Spencer Petrus, Bob. How about a little Spencer Petrus? <laughs> anyway, the, the kid that, the kid that is going to play is Zach Calzada, I believe is his name, from A&M. And I mean, that's why he transferred there, because he thinks he's going to start. So he ain't looking that good. Maybe he develops. We'll see. But I think they're going to run the ball. So can that linebacker layer stand up? They only really have one linebacker they can trust at this point in uh, the Jacobs kid, who's really good. He looked great. He looked great at media day. I think he's going to have a big year. But, boy, Ellis Brooks was a really good player for them last year. Brandon Smith, uh, you know, he was their second leading tackler. Drafted by the Carolina Panthers. That's, those are two big losses. Jonathan Sutherland really is a safety. Um, and they ha- they could be starting a second-year linebacker, Kobe King, or the other guy is Tyler Elsden of North Schuylkill, and neither one of them have any seasoning. And to go to, to go down to, you know, SEC country and compete against some of those Auburn offensive linemen and, the, and those running backs, I mean, that, that's, that's going to be a tall task with or without a – whether or not Alabama has a passing game or not, because they 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 scared Penn State last year with Bo Nix, the quarterback, because of those running backs. Yeah, because of those running backs. And 
they've got almost everyone back from that offensive line. That's why I say it just makes sense that they're going to test and test and test. And if they can start wearing them down, they will. They've got that that offensive line for Auburn is ranked second in the SEC by Phil Steele preseason. We're talking about the SEC here. So they're all veterans. They've all been around. And we saw what they were able to do against a pretty damn good Penn State front last year. Remember, Penn State's front pretty much stoned Ohio State until Henderson got loose in the, in the third quarter. That I think Auburn did a better job running the ball than Ohio State did against Penn State. I mean, that's going to be a big P.J. Mustafer game, too, against Auburn. I mean, early in the season, right, he's coming off that injury. Talk about the, the you know uncertainty and maybe the weakness being the linebacker core. Let those guys get settled and, and take the front of the responsibility right at the middle, right? And, uh, and maybe that's, that's a big game where Mustafer is the guy. But before that, and what really sets the table for the whole season is that trip to Purdue, which is a completely different kind of game. This defense is going to have to get ready for two 180-degree different types of football because Jeff Brown doesn't even try to try to run the ball. He he's, hasn't been able to run the ball for three years. He's just quit trying. And it's going to be all about Aiden O'Connell and, uh, again, a pretty good wide receiver core. Um, they, they don't have uh, Bell anymore, but they've got some guys. And it's going to be them against Penn State's probably best position group on their defense. Would you agree with that, Bob, the secondary? Yeah, unless unless uh, Coach Brom uh, really, really likes to match up against Penn State's linebackers, he is probably going to throw it at least 50 times. Uh, and I think that Manny Diaz is probably just going to have Penn State in a nickel the whole game, honestly, um, if that's the strength of their defense. They'll either be a third safety or a third corner, probably a third corner because Daquan Hardy is such a good player. Uh, in the slot. If you're Penn State, why not just open in a 4-2-5 and say, okay, if you want to throw it, we're, we're going to try and match up with you guys. Good luck. And uh, remember the many, remember the Penn State pass rush, Dave, last year with Ebiketti? We didn't really know how good he was going to be. And he turned out to be just a demon off the edge. Yeah, I, I, re- I rewatched that Michigan game and he it looked like he had that thing won, you know? Yeah. And uh, there's, there's, there's a world in which Adisa Isaac, who didn't play last year, can do something similar to what Ebiketti did. He was a coveted recruit. He's 100%. He looks like he's added some weight and some strength. And, you know, if he has a game like uh, Ebiketti did last year, I mean, he, I thought Ebiketti really might have been the best player on the field for Penn State last year. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
So this kind of segues into what you wanted to talk about anyway. Penn State's three best position groups, their three biggest question marks. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll start in, in order. Secondary, defensive line, Woo. Why, uh, wide receivers. I like it. I actually got a little bit more specific. I went corners, wideouts, and then I went safeties. But I think we're on the same page. I, I do think the secondary as a whole, and I do think you're going to see that they're going to the majority of their snaps, unless they're playing like Michigan, they're going to be they're going to be five DB, six DB sets because it makes too much sense. And I don't know how good that linebacker group can get this year once you get past Curtis Jacobs. But Dave, I, I do agree with you. I'm really excited to see. Uh, the wideout group without Dotson, because I do think Tinsley's going to help them, the kid from Western Kentucky. And I think that, I think Keandre Lambert Smith is a guy that if he takes a step forward, he could be a dangerous player for Penn State. Now, address what I said about the defensive line, because I was thinking exactly about Isaac. Isaac it was going to, we were looking forward to him and be a really good player last year. If Mustafer stays healthy and Isaac is who we think he is, then that can that can generate into a pretty damn good defensive line, and really you only need three guys, three or four guys to perform because you don't use that many anymore. It, it, you're you're loading up the secondary the way football's played these days. You just need one dependable rusher, rush pass rusher off the edge. Yeah, Dave. The thing, the thing I would be a little bit concerned about though is if if Purdue does throw it fifty or sixty times, they're going to have to sub in out. They're, those guys will get exhausted by the third quarter. So I do think you're going to see them play like five defensive tackles and they have the ends in Adisa Isaac. Carburton's okay. They got Chop Robinson. They like him, but they're James is pretty excited about this true freshman, uh, deny Dennis Sutton, who does not look like a freshman. He looks like he's already in his third year at Penn state. He's physically really ready to go. He's two fifty-five, And I think i um, had he enrolled early. I think we would have been talking a lot more about him, but even in the short time he's been at Penn State, I think he's done enough to really kind of elevate himself, and I think you're going to see him play. As the season goes on, he's going to play a much bigger role. But the one thing about the Purdue game that would give me a little bit of pause is if Purdue's going to try and throw the ball that much, they, they can wear out a defensive line if they if they can make some first downs. No, sooner or later the secondary has to be the unit that wins or loses the game. We understand that. Johnny, your thoughts? No, just, I mean, one one guy that we didn't mention there on the defensive line was Smith Gilbert. I mean, three sacks in the outback bowl. I mean, so I, I think you have that depth, right? And you you always need to rotate guys in. But like you said, Bobby, when, we, when you face a team uh, that, you know, r- runs that many plays, throws that many times. I mean, I just remember, you know, again, going back to when I was covering Pitt last year and when they played ten- down at Tennessee and they go up-tempo with Josh Heupel, right? And, you know, I don't know if it's going to be as up-tempo necessarily, but... Uh, when when you face that many plays, you need rotation. You need to rely on your guys, and then on the interior too. I mean, it gets it, it, you know those big boys get winded inside, so you're going to have to rotate the D tackles too. But with Hakeem Beeman uh, potentially coming on, you know, I think that'll help. Yeah. Hey, Johnny. Uh, I, when you, it's funny you mentioned Smith Vilbert, who I think he had all three sacks like before halftime last year of the the Outback Bowl, and he really didn't do much. Um, they they lost, uh, you know, uh, Abiketti didn't play. I think Luketta did, but they were shorthanded. So he played. But my only worry about him is no one has said a word about him the whole offseason. And you covered a team. Uh, do you remember Penn State had a receiver, the Irv Charles, in the Minnesota game? He made one play his whole career. Yeah, I just hope that Smith Vilbert is not a one-game wonder. I'm not sure, but... 
you almost always hear, especially after the game he had, you hear, you hear, you would hear him getting praised and, but there hasn't been, no one has mentioned this guy either in the spring or early in the summer. And I'm just wondering, he's a former basketball player. He looks like he could still add some weight, but I'm, I'm a little curious to see what his role will be this year. And if he just got lucky against Arkansas, or maybe he can build off of it, but it's weird to not hear anything good or bad about him. Dave, you remember Irv Charles too. He was one of your favorite players. I think he had a couple plays against Iowa at Iowa and the win at Iowa. I think you're shortchanging him the, the next year in the 17 game. But but your point is well taken. Are you sure that wasn't Juwan Johnson, David? No. Oh, oh, it, it, it was. Oh, God. Oh. You're right. No, Irv Charles had one play. That's it. One. He had one play. Yeah, Juwan Johnson's one play was probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those New Jersey wide receivers, sorry, Johnny, they just haven't really worked out that much at Penn State. Didn't Herb Charles have a play at Pitt? Or am I imagining that? No. No. Uh, that, the one I remember about the Pitt game was the, yeah, the Deshaun Hamilton drop that probably cost them the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the Big Ten title game, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, those guys look like they should be, like, superstars and – it just didn't – I'm not trying to slam the Garden State. That's not where I'm going with this, Johnny. I know you're a big Jersey guy, but I don't know that Jersey has been all that kind to Penn State when it comes to Jersey wideouts. Some some of them have looked better at the Jersey Shore than they have on the football field. <laughs> Three question mark units. I'll go first. I'm going to say offensive line, linebackers, and offensive line. <laughs> Yeah, that's this is like fishing with dynamite for the first two, right? This is not it's not really a it's not really a contest. The one the one I think that uh is Penn State's gotta be careful. My third one would be special teams because it will not they I mean they they certainly look good in practice, but trying to re- duplicate what Jordan Stout did as a punter and as a kickoff guy is not gonna be easy. And their field goal guy, Jake Pinnegar, he missed a bunch of kicks last week in practice. They have a second year player. From Bethlehem Liberty, trying to remember his name. I'm going to go get my sheet. It's like, I think his last name is Sahadak. He's a lefty, and he's got a cannon for a leg. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is the he's the field goal kicker early in the season. But I'm a little concerned about, I'm more than a little concerned about their kicking game, especially if their offense is going to struggle. If they're going to win games, they're almost always going to be in close games, and it's not a good sign if you don't trust your kicker. Do you know what's going on with the punter? Who is uh, Barney Amore? Who is it? Sanders Sahadak is the kicker. He looks really good. They have a couple punters. One of them is like 6'8". I'm trying to get this guy's name, Johnny. This guy is the biggest kicker, I think, in the history of Penn State football. Gabriel Nuosu. That's him. That's yeah. him. But it's hard to get excited about what you see in practice because it's such a different environment, you know, with with the game on the line or if you have to kick out of your end zone. And, you know, it's not going to be super loud at West Lafayette, but there's going to be some times on the road where they're going to they're going to have to block out the noise and make some pressure. You just never know what those guys are going to do under a pressure situation. You remember the uh, I guess it was the 17 Ohio State game in Columbus. They had that game under control. And then the block punt, man, the guy the guy just took a little too long to get rid of it, changed the whole game. I mean, I think that gave the game game control to Ohio State and the momentum got going in that place. And you never know what a, a kicker or a punter is going to do under pressure 
compared to practice situations, I think it's a it's almost like quarterback, man, with a, a rookie quarterback. You just can't predict. Yeah, I would agree with that, Johnny. What do you think? I know you ha- you're, you're just getting started at, Penn, but I know you've. I, I kind of feel like you probably have followed this team a little bit, even when you were covering Pitt. You didn't tell Narduzzi that, but you know, maybe coming into this year, did you have did you have any specific thoughts about Penn State and what they needed to do? Because the last two years, man, I, I know he's got a long contract and he's make, making a lot of money, and he's just kind of. But I mean, that's those last two years have not really aged well. No, look, they haven't. And it feels like, you know, in some sense that the Big Ten title was 20 years ago, not six years ago, five years ago. So um, especially, you know, when you go 11 and 11 over a two year stretch, that's uh, it's going to make it feel even more distant than it really is. But uh, I think, you know, I think they're recruiting at a high enough level now that, uh, you know, you have some positivity there. Really, like your Sean Clifford injury away last season from starting seven and zero. Uh, and I know that no no one wants to hear that because, you know, they didn't have Taquan Roberson prepared for that Iowa game when he came in. And that's on the coaching staff. And, it, you know, started. You don't the- think so, Johnny? <laughs> I mean, just go the go the silent count. Right. Like, I mean, it was yeah. the three false start penalties. That was the that brutal, was the tip off. Brutal. Um, yeah. people, do, people do forget that Clifford was raking that Iowa defense and they Iowa's defense had not looked like that. I believe it was 17 to seven. Iowa's defense had not looked that helpless in a long time when, when finally he got hit under the ribs. And, and he had already thrown two picks at that point too. So like he already got those turnovers out of his system and he was still playing well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's they a good point. More. That's a good point. That's a good point. I, I, I want to ask you this before we leave. Johnny, you covered a lot of ACC. What's the competition level compared to the Big Ten? Because you've already seen the Big Ten. And when you see like NC State and Wake Forest and teams like that coming in every week, what's the level? How far apart are they? Well, it's interesting because I think, you know, even last year and then looking ahead even to this year, too. I mean, I think the quarterback play in the ACC is better. Uh, but, in terms, but in terms of defenses and like, you know, I, I think talent across the board is, you know, leans Big Ten. But, you know, the defenses specifically, uh, it's, it's a different brand of football. Um, so it, it's more like the Pac-12, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's it's like a mesh. It, yeah, it, it's it leans more Pac-12 than it does Big Ten, I'd say. Um, but I mean, even like last year, you know, not just Pickett at Pitt, but you know, you know Hartman and the kid Leary from NC State, I think is the real deal. I mean, there, there's some good quarterbacks uh, in the ACC, and so I, I would say that I would say that about that conference. But uh, yeah, the Big Ten is uh, it's just a different, just diff- different vibe, different brand of football. Well, nobody wants to play quarterback. You get an elite quarterback. Who's going to want to kind of play quarterback in Champaign or East Lansing in November? I mean, no one wants to throw the ball in this this slop in November. It's just that's why I think it'll be really interesting if and I think we're going to get to 12 or even 16 in the college football playoff. There are going to be some home games up north in not November, but December because they're going to have to play on-site home games. And that'll be really, really interesting to see some Southern teams have to come up north because it never happens. It never happens. There's, it never happens in bowl games. There aren't any league games that type of year, that time of year. It, it has never happened before, and I think it's going to be really, really interesting. And if, if we do go to 12, that's going to be part of what's going to even out the landscape if, if it happens, because – those games are going to matter in recruiting. I really think they are. I mean, imagine a college football playoff game at a Beaver Stadium or the Shoe or you know the Big House, even like in Madison. 
uh, in the snow. I mean, that, that would be so cool. Um, and I, I agree with you, Dave. I do think it's going in that direction. And uh, let's, let's hope uh, we get some Northern, uh, some Northern college football playoff games. It'd be a lot of fun. Northern exposure. Johnny, you've been a wonderful guest. You are a delight. Will you come back? Absolutely. I, I, think, I think I'm contractually obligated to, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's got no choice, Dave. He's got no choice. All right. That's it for the Blue-White Breakdown. Sayonara. This has been the Blue-White Breakdown, brought to you by Live.